0: Have a secure line. We are recording. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to see that, I mean, you're still with us because I thought you might have just made the jump to Football Illuminati, that we'd lose you
1: on this show. The launch is ever eminent, man, off the heels of what many are calling the greatest prediction in sports history. And beyond. Yeah, that's right. Dan called it, it might be the greatest prediction in history. You know what I call it, guys? A little thing I like to call fate. Mm. You see... The universe talks to us all in numbers. Math is the universal language. Mm-hmm. Yep. You guys aren't ready for this though. No, I'm not. You
3: guys aren't ready for this. Well, they weren't ready for the Geno Smith prediction. It he would did. appear that Amin had that because he made a bet with Whitty, and we'll hop in our in our time machine to relive
2: this discussion. I cannot believe that an NFL team in 2022 is entering the year with Geno Smith as their quarterback. Scorching hot take. We'll see Drew Locke this season. Yeah. Of course, we'll see a third. Scorching we'll see hockey. a we We'll see a third quarterback. We'll see them be linked bad. with every like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get waived. He might go there. Like I just, mm-hmm. I just can't fathom. I can't fathom that an NFL team decided after eight months of like being able to plan for a draft, for free agency, for quarterbacks coming available via trade. They're like, you know what we're going to do, Geno Smith.
1: I submit to you four thousand <laughs> yards for Geno Smith. Okay
2: impossible
1: 30 in 30, 30 studies 11 ints
2: if <laughs> I, mean, it comes, that? I will i you will sit i mean guys. if that exact stat line happens i will sit and do this show in my underpants
1: hmm. there's hell there, yeah. there
2: is no way Clip that career 34 touchdowns 37 interceptions
1: you should have it's to better, do better than an half episode from your bathtub
2: 34 sure touchdowns. why not i'll, I'll do a show i'll do a show for my bathtub if Geno smith does this free yourself king all right, Let me write that down. Like 4K. Four K, four thousand. What would you say? Thirty-two touchdowns, no, and eleven 30, interceptions. Thirty and eleven. 30 and 11? Yeah. yeah, thirty, 30 and touchdowns,
1: 11, right. eleven.
2: I will 11, do I the show. Mean, it's I will do the show from my bathtub if this happens. And he has exactly thirty touchdowns and 11 interceptions. That's amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. Mean I mean, I also like, I, I, expect- I wanted to come in here and weasel my way out of this and be like, he said 4,000. He had 4,200. He went over. I mean, with low expectation. I was going to do a weasel he thing, nailed it. but I'm just so goddamn impressed that he got that exactly right. That's <laughs> oh, impossible. Oh, that is that is got to be it's amazing. I don't think anyone in sports has had a better prediction than that one ever. I I maintain that what, we just aired is the single greatest prediction
1: <laughs> anyone has made, and I will limit into to sports. Yeah, that was from August 29th, 2022, ladies and gentlemen. That was before the season started, if I'm not mistaken. That's two weeks before the start. I mean, I'm doing the math. That's almost five months ago. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, Geno Smith ended up with 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Now, here's where the math got fuzzy for me. I said 4,000 yards. He ended up with 4,000. Two hundred and eighty-six.
3: You were just going for that benchmark, right? I was. For the yards, I was.
0: I was. You didn't want people to know. You're just sending people off the scent, right? Like, if you had said 4,286, people would know. Even
3: if he said 4,200? Yeah. That would have been a little too specific.
1: Two on the nose. Two on the nose, man. I'm not trying to have a bunch of people show up to my house or to my hotel asking to touch the hem of my garment you know that's not that's not what I'm in this for but I do want to point out even some of the staunchest Seattleites out there did not expect Gino to do this to shatter every single season record for the Seahawks say that three times fast and all the people pointing out well he had 17 games to do you know who else had 17 games to do it Russell Wilson last year I want to hear it it's all about the numbers I must have missed the actual show that
0: Amin did this on because it seems so specific. He came in out of nowhere, Geno Smith, 4,030 and 11. It was like it came down like a manna from heaven, just fell into his lap, and those numbers just came out of his mouth.
3: Or like he picked up Biff's almanac. (laughs) That's what it sounded like.
1: Yeah. Gray's sports. Almanac Discarded in a trash can on Miami Beach. Old me picked it up and then came back in time and handed it to young me. And I told old me to shut the hell up, old man. No, look, you got to start from the beginning. Geno Smith, no spring chicken. How old is he? I mean, I feel like you already know the answer, right? Because you know all. He's 32 years old and some change. Turned 32 in the middle of the season. Russell Wilson is 34 years old. Do you know how many touchdowns Geno Smith had thrown in his career prior to this season? I don't know, 52? 34. 34 touchdowns for each year that Russell Wilson was alive. Knock it back down to, to Geno's age, you get 32. But you're saying, wait a second, he threw 30 touchdowns. Here's where it gets interesting. You have to start with the essence. Geno Smith started his career playing for the New York Jets. New York, two words, not Chicago. Within that two words, New York, there are two teams... Giants and Jets, guess where Gino played after he left the Jets? The Giants. Played for the Giants. The Giants. It all comes back to the number two. And then finally, the 11 interceptions. People wonder about that one. 11. One and one make two. Gee. No. Not everyone's got the third eye open, boys. My assignment. Uncover
2: why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human
1: responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using
3: 10% of your brain.
2: The NBA Illuminati. (laughs) If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. Would you start to follow the money? And you don't know where the f is gonna take you. It is unspoken.
0: They have influence among other players. The NBA overpowered. Oh I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I,
2: sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball
3: in <laughs> the
0: This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I am joined by the five-star generals and co-presidents of the Illumination. That's Amin El-Hassan and our producer, Anthony Mays. Fellas, lots to get into in this episode. We have some breaking news, some reports, some things that you were blind to or the league was blind to, but they are going to be having visions of clarity, of varied things, underline varied V-A-R. Oh, I see
1: what you did there.
0: Yep, 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 yep. I don't want to give too much away here in the intro, but we are going to talk about something very near and dear to our hearts. Very, very near. Very near, yes. But first. You are listening to The Agenda
2: with Tom Haverstroh and Amin El-Hassan. You
1: know what the agenda should be? Agenda should be, I'm in Salt Lake City right now because I'm getting ready to go see Jazz versus Cavs. Donovan Mitchell's return to Utah. I don't know what to expect, but all I know is by the time you listen to this podcast, you'll have answers to questions that I have right now. So it really makes for the worst agenda when you think about it. Maybe next week's agenda. Is Mr. Noble working the game tonight? Well, I hadn't seen the ref assignments yet. Do we have ref assignments?
0: Yeah, we have ref assignments. No Noble or Goble on the game. I was actually looking at this. Travels are back down to earth. I don't know what happened. Who made the call at the
1: league office? I know what happened. A little podcast called Basketball Illuminati kind of pointed out what was happening.
0: Also happening on Tuesday night, Stephen Curry is coming back to the Warriors. But there is someone who is on his way out. Unfortunately, Kevin Durant over the weekend... He suffered a sprained MCL against the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler had fallen into him. Fallen. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. But they kind of fell awkwardly into Kevin Durant's leg. And then we got reminded of how big Kevin Durant's feet are. Yes. When the shoe stayed with Jimmy Butler and his foot popped out of the shoe and there was these hockey sticks for feet. And it was incredible to see, remind people that he is an enormous human being with very long feet. Royce Young, who's now working for Oklahoma City on the team side, he's done stories about this and how hard it is to find shoes that fit him in real life because of those feet. But anyway, I don't know why I'm rerouting us- You got a foot fetish,
1: clearly To a foot fetish here. Easy, Rex Ryan. (laughs) I think the point we're trying to make here is that Kevin Durant's departure- doesn't just impact against him and to some extent the nets there are ripple effects that go far beyond what happens to kevin durant impacts dare i say the entire league how does that work i mean glad you asked young anthony so we gotta start with the obvious right i know i just got done saying (laughs) more than the nets but let's start with the nets yeah the nets obviously have been on fire as of late winning as of this recording 14 of the last 15 uh obviously Kevin Durant's been an amazing part of all of that. Well, now it's 29.7, but he was the most efficient 30-point scorer in the history of basketball up until the last couple of games which dropped his average down to below 30. So, you look at Brooklyn's upcoming schedule. Durant's schedule will be out what? A month? About a month.
0: Shams is saying they're going to be reevaluating in 2 weeks.
1: So here are their upcoming games, starting with The night after you listen to this podcast. January 12th versus Boston. We're just ahead of them in the standings. Then you got the 15th against OKC. Scrappy. At San Antonio on the 17th. At Phoenix on the 19th. At Utah on the 20th. Hey, that's where I am. At Golden State on the 22nd. At Philadelphia 25th versus Detroit 26th. That gives us roughly two weeks right there. In usual years... You look at the schedule and you say, okay, that's a win. That's a win. That one might be tough. That one might be an L. You can play this game, particularly in January of any season, you can play this game where we can map out the schedule, sit at the end of it, guys, and say, oh, in the next two weeks, the net should be 7-3 and or whatever it is, right? Not so much this year. Why is that? I mean, the NBA has been infected by this nasty little disease called parody. Mmm. yes, yes. Now, people will say, but parody sounds like a good thing. We all have a chance to win. But parody does weird things to basketball in a way that wouldn't happen in football. Allow me to expound. In yesteryears, you had stratification. Great teams. Good teams. Teams on the bubble. Teams through seasons over... Teams whose season never began. And what happens is we roll towards the trade deadline. The teams on the lower end of that spectrum were like, well, we need to start playing our young guys, see what we got. But more importantly, we need to take veterans of value and peddle them, move them for whatever we can get. And so what ends up happening is the teams towards the top, not at the elite top, the elite top probably think they've got their shit together. But those teams that are good and those teams that are on the bubble are saying, ooh, I need help. Give me help. And they've got no shortage of trade partners who want to oblige because they just want stuff. They're starting over. In a stratified league in January, bad teams already know they're going to be bad forever. And so they're selling. Good teams are buying. That's where we are. Maybe in a more stratified league, the Nets say, hey, Durant's out. We might need some help. And they go and hit up one of these clearly bad teams and try to get some help. But what's happened, because of parity, there isn't a lot of separation between even the elite teams in our league and teams on the bubble. That's one thing. Number two, though, because of the play-in tournament, The definition of bubble has expanded. So what used to be a team that's 11th or 12th would be waving the white flag vigorously. There's no point. But now they look at it as we're not that far off from having a hot week in April and getting into the playoff picture. For
0: example, like the Los Angeles Lakers right now. Like the Los Angeles Lakers. In the standings. 19 and 22, they're under 500, they've been dealing with a bunch of injuries, but 19 and 22 in the Western Conference, they're in the thick of it. They're in the thick of it. Because the Blazers are at 19 and 20. You're right there. Even though you're 12th in the Western Conference, you can talk yourself into being a legit playoff team.
3: Or the Utah Jazz, who everybody assumed would sell at the beginning of the year and maybe would have been selling at this point if there wasn't a play-in
1: tournament. Perfect example, especially since I'm here to go watch them. So you've got all of these teams that don't recognize themselves as out of it yet, and so they're going to behave more competitively. But beyond that, the talent distribution is such that in the league, ladies and gentlemen, the luxury tax, mission accomplished. It is so hard to build an elite powerhouse. The Warriors won the title and instantly said goodbye to all of their vets, including a Gary Payton, including an Otto Porter, guys who started finals games because financially didn't make sense to pay them what they were going to be worth on the open market. So what happens now is you get this sprinkling, this spread. It's like taking a scoop of peanut butter and Spreading across the bread. but there's more. Tom, what was the all star returns? The most recent ones that we got in the Eastern Conference,
0: Eastern Conference front court. Kevin Durant led all voters mm-hmm. 3,118,000. Giannis second at just under 3 million. Joel Embiid 2.2 2 million. And Jason Tatum trailing him by about 50,000 votes. It's pretty close. And there's only three front court starters. So that line between Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum, that is just a coin flip,
1: those two players. But if Kevin Durant's hurt, then Jason Tatum becomes a de facto all-star starter, which oftentimes is an incentive in your endorsement deals. You get more money for being an all-star starter. I can neither confirm nor deny this is the case with Jason Tatum's nike deal or his ruffles deal or whatever Mm. but this is a fairly common clause in marketing deals if you are an all-star starter you get more money because again the idea is that i am popular how do we measure popularity one of the measures is were you a starter in the all-star game but there's more because jason tatum doesn't just care about whether he's starting or not he cares guys about the standings where the Celtics today hold a one-and-a-half game lead over the Nets for the one seat, They've had their struggles lately, and if they can create some breathing room here, that would be dope, not only for Jason Tatum, not only for his teammates, but here's another constituent, guys. Yeah, I don't know if you thought about this one. You think Joe Mazzulla wouldn't like a little bit of extrication in his pocket? Think about that, Quizlet. That's right, folks. The coach at the All-Star game comes from the team that has the best record sometime before whenever the cutoff is. You're Joe Mazzula. Coaching in the All-Star Game represents a massive bonus, not only for being there, not only for perhaps winning, but guys, you know what you get when you're a coach at the All-Star Game? A free Quizlet account? A bunch of tickets, a gift basket, and yes, believe it or not, there is an underground circuit. Of black market resale of said things. I'm not accusing Joe Mazula of doing this. Whoa! I'm Whoa! not accusing Joe Mazula of doing this. I am just telling you, this market exists. It just occurred to me, I mean,
0: that there is also another interim coach involved at the top of the standings in the East. That's Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn's another one who's watching this KD injury and
1: saying, oh, Whoa, I need that extra quiche. Wow. I need that scratch. But you know who doesn't care about this at all, guys? It's Mike Boonholzer. He's already been there, done that a few years ago, Charlotte. Plus, he makes a shit ton of money. Trust me, them extra little tickets you scalping ain't going to do shit for Mike Boonholzer. Mm. What he does care about are those standings. Because he sits at three, a game behind Brooklyn. Unlike the Celtics, who seem to have steadied themselves, Oh, the Bucks have not. I know they won against New York. They struggled to win against New York. Let me just say that. But without Chris Middleton, they've lost six of their last 10 games. You don't think they'd like to make some hay when the sun don't shine? That's a little country saying for you from America's heartland.
3: Where the sun don't shine. I don't think that's the country analogy you want to use. But that's just me.
1: I mean,
0: I mean, this is also important because of trade deadline. We're a month away from the trade deadline. And when you talk about parity, I mean, Mm -hmm. you're talking about teams who understand their identity, their place in the league. When everyone's bunched up together, when you're in a traffic jam or when you're surrounded by people at the mall, right, and you're all bunched together, you can't really tell where you are. It's all very confusing, You can't really see around yourself. You can't really get a good vantage point. There's just so many people bunched up together. That's the problem that I'm hearing across the league. And this injury to Kevin Durant only muddies the picture even more. Now with the Brooklyn Nets having a depleted team, some teams like the Chicago Bulls or the Washington Wizards or the Atlanta Hawks might be walking into wins when they otherwise should be clear-headed about their Are they buyers or are they sellers? Well, when you mentioned that upcoming schedule of the Brooklyn Nets, there are a few teams who could be picking up some wins here and changing the direction. Utah Jazz, where you're at, the Philadelphia 76ers going to add pieces to this championship run or is the Doc Rivers thing not working out and they might decide to reconfigure the roster and choose to go next year. Is James Harden ready to take that next step? Detroit Pistons. I know they're at the bottom of the standings right now, but if they pick up a couple wins here, I mean, Bojan Bogdanovic isn't going to be a half-season rental. So there's implications here for Kevin Durant's injury. It looks like it's going to be anywhere from two to four weeks that he's going to be out. But these are critical times for everyone across the league to understand, not just All-Star, not just where they are in the standings, but also who's going to get black market coaching tickets.
1: Yeah. That might be the biggest, most important thing. Joe Missoula, Jacques Vaughn, anyone else, any, any assistant coaches, hit your boy up. I got some solutions for you. Quiet, discreet. Don't worry about it. The league will never find out. I'm the new era pump brother right now. I'm the pump brother.
0: So, I mean, you bring <laughs> up the ripple effect, the peanut butterfly
1: effect. Watermelon sugar.
0: Hi. Remember, he did the whole Skippy thing. He was like, get the jar of peanut butter and spread it across the bread. Yeah,
1: see, I like this, Yeah,
0: It's the peanut butter effect. Okay. You know, we talked about Steph Curry coming back, and everyone, including myself, thought they were going to be in the dumps without Stephen Curry. It was shit out of luck, right? They just went six and five, Maze. They got a little shot in the arm with Stephen Curry out. Not just the Warriors, but look at AD. When he's out, the Lakers are eight and eight
1: with ad they're 11 and 14 you want my hot take on the lakers and the warriors yes please they will have ultimately benefited from these injuries well the warriors
3: i agree because they needed to give other players more opportunity more time on the court and figure out some things to do when steph doesn't have the ball but how do the lakers benefit from not having anthony davis
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Has Thomas Bryant not set your world ablaze? Oh, huh? Tommy Bryant. Thomas. I would say also a little
0: bit more oxygen for Russell Westbrook to do his thing, build up his confidence. Yeah, he's happy. Happy Westbrook, happy life. Another star, Joel Embiid. When he's off the floor, injured, the 76ers are seven and four in his absence. Giannis Adedicupo. When the Bucks do not have Giannis, the Greek freak, they're four and two. With the Greek freak, they're 22 and 12. Actually a better win percentage without Giannis. So when you talk about parity, you have to talk about this other side of the spectrum, right? Because look at what the Pelicans
1: are doing without Zion. Eight and four. They're amazing. And let's not even talk about Brandon Ingram. When's the last time we saw him play? It's been incredible.
3: So Tom, are you telling me that there's not just parity In the league, there's parity on these teams. That's right. That a superstar being absent doesn't affect the team rotation the way we assume that it would from our pie in the
0: sky, naive, superstar driven viewpoints. I just hope that people in Vegas are being very well compensated for bookmaking and setting these lines. Because, I mean, you look at what happened against Boston in OKC the other day. Shea Gilgis Alexander is out mm-hmm. 30 points a game. One of the best players in the league out depleted roster. What happened? They win by about 7,000 points, 150 plus against the Boston Celtics. There you go. Insane. It's
3: too bad that Joe Missoula's quizlet scouting report on Shea Gilgis Alexander was all for naught on
0: that one. <laughs> yeah. Failed that test. It's outdated. So, I mean, you talk about this parody and, Brooklyn Nets, how are they going to survive without KD? There's just so much evidence around the league that we don't really know what to expect with the Nets. And in years past, we could say, oh yeah, that's a loss. That's a schedule loss. That's a win. But now there's so much uncertainty and parity in the NBA. I feel like that's only going to create more smoke in NBA standings and buyers and sellers. It's creating more mud in the sales, muddied sales. How do you get mud on sales? I don't know, but it does hamper your ability to
1: sail a boat. It's funny. I think it will hamstring the deals that get done because everyone's trying to pretend like they're winners and buyers when they should be sellers. We need losers. We need people to know that their lives are over, their seasons are over, I should say, so that we can benefit off of them. But without that, we're stuck in this weird Twilight zone.
0: Yeah, I heard from an executive who said the trade season is going to be much quieter this year because everyone just doesn't know what they have. They don't know where they're at. And without some clear, defined buyers and sellers, that creates a very stagnant marketplace. Here's the thing,
1: Tom. There isn't a whole lot of clarity as far as where the trade market is going to go. but you seem to think that there's clarity in terms of how the game is officiated is going to go. Why do you think that? Well, I mean, there are
0: some things that are happening behind the scenes in the league that teams are talking about, that they are trying to project their future and they might see it in other sports. They don't need to look into a fortune teller machine or a crystal ball They just need to turn on their TV. Tom, I'm trying to follow here, but this gosh darn blindfold, is there anything you can help me? Let me take that off for you, I mean. Pull off that blindfold, specifically. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mother's Day is almost here. So the Illumination out there who have been A1 since day one, soldiers in the fight for truth, Mm -hmm. they understand that we have discovered things in the game that get swept under the rug, that disappear without a sound, without a peep from the league. How is it possible that Buddy Heald could take and make a three-pointer plenty inches behind the line, the three-point line, Mm -hmm. and everyone acts like they didn't just score that a two-pointer. The very first episode of Basketball Illuminati, we put the people on notice that these are things that need to be corrected. These are things that need to be spoken for. And it
1: wasn't just that shot, was it, mean, No, it was Kyle Lowry against the Charlotte Hornets late in the heat season. Max Struess in the playoffs against the Boston Celtics in the conference finals. It was Giannis at the free throw line. Look, man, we've got all sorts of examples throughout the history of basketball Illuminati. I'm not even going to say the history of the league. (laughs) I'm not going to go that far. 76 years? Are you kidding me? As a podcast, we are barely a year old, and we have uncovered and dived deep into multiple, multiple, multiple failures of the system to catch mistakes by refs. Refs are human. There will be mistakes. I'm never gonna sit here and bash the refs. I think they try their best. But the idea is that we have a system in place of checks and balances for when they make mistakes, those mistakes to be rectified. But I submit to you that the system doesn't work if we keep having the same issues that we can all see with our own two eyes.
0: What if I told you that the system's changing? Changing? Now, I talked to a bunch of executives and staffers around the league, and I've been made aware of a certain development that you might sit there and say, well, what's what's the big deal? Teams are preparing for a change in command on player tracking data as soon as next season. Player tracking data Where cameras are in the sky and they're tracking every player's movement and the ball and the referees. Up until this point, it has been implemented by Second Spectrum, which you've seen. Yeah. Second Spectrum data.
1: If you've ever seen the data where they say so and so drives from 20 feet out more than any other player in the league, or so and so shoots 48% from three on closely guarded threes, right? All that stuff is coming from second spectrum. That's right.
0: What are the toughest shot makers in the league? ESPN's done a great job for years crunching the data,
1: second spectrum data, player tracking data. Qualified shot quality, all that stuff. Yeah. Really cool. I like second spectrum. I've used second spectrum before. I enjoy it as a product as far as the stats go.
0: Yes, you're right. Second Spectrum has done a great job and teams are very happy with the data and Mm -hmm. their pick and roll packages that they're able to say, oh, when we run a pick and roll, we are 1.35 points per possession. And when opponents run their pick and rolls and play calls and speed and all this really cool stuff. Going under, going over, all the different calls. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to follow here. So, I mean, their NBA is deciding what company to go with going forward on player tracking data. Is that contract up already? It appears that way. It appears that the contract is coming to a close at the end of this season, that right now teams are prepared their staffs for a changing of the guard in some form or fashion and that they're preparing for a new name, Sony. Sony, like my TV? Sounds like a pretty old name. From the makers of the Discman. The Man. yep. PlayStation. PlayStation 2. And 3. Don't forget about 3. And 4. And 5. Now, you might be sitting there and wondering, Sony, why Sony? Why are they taking this player tracking data and going with the makers of the Discman? Well, spin this one around. For those who don't know, Sony owns a little thing called Hawkeye. Jeremy Renner? <laughs> best wishes? <laughs> Yo, get well soon. I'm just going to plow right through that one, Okay. Hawkeye innovations. Hawkeye technology is owned by Sony. Now, why would the hold NBA?
1: On, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've heard of Hawkeye. That's the tech that they used at the World Cup with the VAR. If you guys watch World Cup soccer, they will call someone offsides, and then we'd see this really cool 3D graphic, and you find out that oh, this guy's nose, he was ahead of the other guy by a nose because mm. he broke this plane. That's Hawkeye Tech. Sony owns that?
0: That's right. That blindfold that was over your eyes, I mean, it's starting to fall. It's starting to fall, and you're starting to understand what I'm talking about here. Sony, the proprietor of Hawkeye technology that does VAR in soccer that we all just watched the World Cup, that's the Sony we're
1: talking about here. This tech is coming to the NBA. Is that what you're telling me? You're telling me that Adam Silver sat there on his couch watching World Cup soccer at six in the morning and said, "Huh, why can't we have some of that? Well, I don't know if it was the World Cup. Maybe it had
0: something to do with it. It was pretty cool on the broadcast and these instant replays, send it over to the replay center. It's not such a great product, even though we do every once in a while get a great Billy Kennedy call on the sideline where he is just working that camera. But. It's not just the World Cup. Well, surely Adam Silver
3: was watching minor league baseball this fall because Hawkeye is also testing out an automatic strike zone for major league baseball where teams can have up to three challenges to dispute whether an umpire called the correct ball or strike. Yeah. Baseball Illuminati coming soon. Oh, wait. No one watches baseball anymore. Sorry.
1: So let me get this straight. So, Hawkeye, from the makers of. You were off sides because you sneezed, and your spit is part of you, and that's a little head of the last defender from the makers of automated strike zones, from the makers of was that ball in or out at Wimbledon or the u s open because Hawkeye does that too. You're telling me we're finally getting this technology into basketball.
0: that's right. So when we talk about player tracking data for a lot of these teams and a lot of folks around the league and the league office the real thing that is going to be very interesting and changing the way we watch the game and experience the game. And in many ways play the game because the stoppages in play and the delays and going back to Secaucus and coming back, that creates a game feel. That's a little bit different. That teams are looking as soon as next season, we are going to get VAR in the NBA. And you might be saying to yourself, can't we get it by now? Well, we've got it in tennis. we got it in baseball. It's probably going to be next season at some point. Teams are expecting that the broadcast will have VAR implemented in some form or fashion.
1: This is pretty much confirmed that we're getting VAR in the NBA from Hawkeye. Yes, we are going to get Hawkeye
0: in some form or fashion starting next season. At the very least, it will be player tracking data. But by the end of next season, people around the league are expecting to have VAR in some form or fashion. Yes, I mean,
1: what are some examples of how they're going to use this technology for us? The Buddy heel three pointer. They might call it VAR,
0: but it could be the Buddy Heeled camera, right? Because that three versus two. The disappearing three-pointer is something that Hawkeye can absolutely do within a fraction of a second, basically saying, that was clearly a three-pointer, we are going to make that a three-pointer instantaneously and that you don't have to go and have 18 people in the replay center watch that play, they can get almost instantaneously an answer, whether that was a three or a two. I mean, you might say, well, if we can do the three-point line, can we do other lines? And the answer is yes. Right, okay. Out of bounds plays. Stepping out of bounds. Max Struess. Who touched it last? Who touched it last? That stuff, we can get with VAR. And not only that, goaltending.
1: So for years, when I was a kid, used to talk about two things about goaltending, right? One was as the ball passed its peak and now on its downward trajectory. And I used to wonder, like, how do you tell from the naked eye whether the ball has done that? But then the other thing he used to talk about, and it drove me nuts as a kid because I couldn't understand, the invisible cylinder. What cylinder are they talking about? What cylinder? And they're going to show me, oh, there it is. It's in the cylinder. I don't see a cylinder. But now, if you're telling me that we're going to get VAR... They can graphically represent not only that invisible cylinder in the same way that offsides, instead of an invisible plane, it is an actual blue plane that we see. That's right. But we're also going to get a visualization of where the peak of the ball was. That's right. It seems like we should have that
0: already, but now we're going to get it sooner than we expected with Hawkeye. So, goaltending, we're going to get foot on the line for threes versus twos, out of bounds. also we're possibly going to have 8 second violations to cross half court and 5 second violations in maze you might remember your beloved golden state warriors We're defeated the other night, but again, parody the Detroit Pistons where Sadiq Bay hit a three-pointer last second three-pointer. We already have kind of a VAR implemented thing where the scoreboard goes red when the clock expires. But what we don't have yet in the NBA is out of bounds, five-second automated referees. It seems like in 2023, we should be able to have an automated five-second count.
1: The technology we have right now in today's NBA in 2023, ladies and gentlemen, is Ed Malloy doing this with his hand, (laughs) (laughs) bending at the elbow and extending his hand out. And this represents one second. That's right.
3: I don't know how you guys tell time at home, but that's me. (laughs) How long am I cooking these chicken nuggets for? Do the motion the entire time.
0: Okay. I got to brush my teeth for at least a minute. Hold on. Here we go. Two minutes. Come on, Tom. 30 seconds
1: for each quadrant.
3: All right. Okay. Any amount of time, eight second violation, five second violation, 10 second violation. All that sounds good, but you're telling me that now we're going to go to the machines. Mm. The machines are going to be deciding these calls. We all as fans have had our times where we just come out of a bad loss and say, you know what? The refs didn't have it for us tonight. So where do we put that blame? Now that we're switching
1: over to robots, Tom, the Hawks eye. Yeah. Got to blame Sony? I don't know. Wait, you guys don't think this is going to end fan complaints once and for all? (laughs) You think fans won't just accept?
3: It's like the conservation of anger. I mean, if the anger was directed towards a ref, now it's just floating out in the universe. It'll come out as road rage, or maybe you'll just yell at a beer vendor.
0: I do think you raise a good point here about blaming. And I posed the question to some executives around the league, like, should the referees want this? Do you think referees are going to be happy about this new technology being implemented and integrated into the NBA game where five second calls? They don't have to worry about that anymore. Eight second calls. They don't have to really worry about that. It's going to be basically adjudicated by a computer, by these VAR systems. Maybe somewhere down the line, we're going to get block charges are going to be automated. Whoa. This is the
1: beginning. We don't know how far it's going to go. Restricted area. We're going to put a cylinder on the rim. We're going to put a cylinder on the restricted area. Was his heels in or not? Those things, those calls, those black and white calls are, are pretty embarrassing for
0: referees to get wrong. Wrong. And so if they can just get it off their plate, that they don't have to worry so much about those. They can focus their attention on other more subjective calls that are it's a lot of gray area. They actually probably are going to be happy about this. But. I still wonder about the long term, the downstream effects of incorporating this VAR technology, buddy cam. Sony's going to get so good at this. Are we going to even have referees in 10, 15, 50 years? So they probably are thinking about those things, those downstream effects of having this technology in play. But the broadcast, I think, is going to be improved You're gonna be able to have more clarity on some of these rules. You can see it visually like it is with VAR. And maybe we won't get crash test dummy figurines on the screen. Maybe it'll be a little bit better than it was this past year. But that is what we're having in the league, that we're sharpening our toolkit that we are getting a more modern approach to officiating, and we're gonna take some of these discrepancies, some of these total loopholes that we have pointed out on this show. Things that are not being seen, things that are not being counted, things that are not being accounted for. And now we are here to tell you that that might be changing here down the road as soon as next season, Sony from the makers of Discman, (laughs) from the makers of
1: PlayStation. What other cool things did Sony make? You know what they made? They just made one hell of a blindfold remover because, Tom, I was once blind. The League was once blind, but now, starting in the 2023-24 season, we're all gonna see. With Hawkeyes. eyes. <clears throat>
3: Last week on The Low Post, Zach Lowe interviewed Kevin Herder, and he shared a little bit of his YouTube rabbit hole deep dives that he's been doing lately. I'm still I'm learning a lot about the history of the Kings. And so last night I went on YouTube and like I think my direct search bar was game six Kings Lakers conspiracy. And <laughs> so I went on and there was like a six minute video of a guy talking about and going through game six. And whatever foul calls weren't or or were not called and the free throws. And um, so I learned a little bit about that series and how it went down for possibly the best Kings team that, that uh, the organization has had. I love this. I think this is great. I think that if you come to a team like the Kings, it should be a standard operating procedure to get debriefed on the tortured history of your franchise.
1: See, I don't like it. Look, Mike Brown has been doing this this year. Michael Malone in Denver has been doing it for years. And I like both of those guys. I think they're great coaches. I'm fans of them as people and as coaches. But you got to stop with the persecution complex. You have to stop, man. Kevin Herter didn't know shit about shit. He just came here from Atlanta. I just want to play ball, win games, whatever. Now you're infecting him with this whole belief that, oh, everything is against us. Oh, my God, they don't want to see us succeed. I want it to stop. I want this whining to stop. I hated it when Rudy Gobert brought it up at every single turn. I hate it every time Michael Malone brings it up, talking about you guys didn't do this, talking to the media or whatever. Now Mike Brown is, is on this thing about, oh, it's Sacramento. Nobody cares, man. None of these refs care about what happened 20 years ago or the league doesn't care.
3: Tom, I know you got to be on my side. He was doing his own research.
0: <laughs> Kevin was doing his own research and I got to say, he's got to keep going because <laughs> On this podcast right here, we actually went into some of those claims by Tim Donaghy when Tim Donaghy is saying, oh, the Kings were victims of manipulation and conspiracy from the league that wanted the Lakers to win that series, and they put some company men on that game. On this podcast, we talked about Tim Donaghy's track record on lies, okay? I'm not so sure we should be taking Tim Donaghy's claims about that series at face value. I almost think that Tim Donaghy's accusations about that series makes it worse, make it less believable that something untoward happened in that series. So I would encourage Kevin Herter, if you are not part of the illumination, it's time. Keep doing your own research, but with the right textbooks and the right audio files.
3: Get your headphones out, plug your Discman in to Basketball Illuminati, and keep your third eye open when you light that beam, Kevin